Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who were a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I am your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Adam. Yes? I have some news. Okay. From one of our viewers, Joe Herfert. Is this one of those uh, I wish you would have messages? <laughs> Uh, no, that that uh, that podcast juice crack may have been premature. Oh, although it's never I, premature, my friend. Oh, you're you're one of those never on schedule but always on time type of guys. <laughs> I think my friends might describe me that way. Yeah, <laughs> this may drive you to drink, uh, nonetheless. So, a uh, a viewer named Joe sent us an email, and he was listening when we started talking about the fact that we all have odd numbered portfolio prints trading cards and so he uh and a lot of people have like clarified a little bit of this for us that the series two is is what the even ones come in and that's the you know the other episodes in this in the series but he he dropped kind of a kind of a bomb in this email (laughs) he uh he said he sat there and opened Every single packet of cards in the entire box in less than an hour. And oh my he god! Did not come up with the, a natural Jaeger. That is trading card gluttony. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like can, eating an entire party soap on your own. Yeah, can you imagine uh, just like lazing around on the couch covered in cards after that? Like, uh, can't believe uh, I opened the whole thing. <laughs> that is shameful. No, no natural Jaegers in the box, and he said he went to eBay and uh, ordered himself one. He orders himself a mail-order Jaeger. That's what he did. Yeah. Well, so listen to this. This is He copy and pasted something from the eBay page, and I can tell that it's definitely from the eBay page because it is in size 25 Comic Sans <laughs> blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I quote, you are about to purchase a personally autographed trading card signed by Biff Yeager as Chief Engineer Argyle. This card is part of the sold-out Star Trek The Complete TNG 1987-1991 through 1991 Series 1, which have been released by Rittenhouse on July 13th, 2011. This card was not available in the packs as it is given to the dealers as a case incentive card. Oh, no. That means the natural Jaeger that we have been chasing may not, in fact, exist, Adam. This whole thing has been a lie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, this, There's some stuff in here that makes me think maybe uh, it's wrong. Like, it says 1987 through 1991, which I think that we've definitely got some cards in these packs that are from series episodes that came out after 91. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a different kind of pack. I don't know. It's just headcanon at this point. How does this make you feel, Ben? Do you want to stop doing the card bit? What are we what are we even <laughs> doing it for? 
Well, I don't know if uh, I need to remind you that I've opened a George Baxter card and a Joanna Miles card. We're doing it for the Baxter, aren't we? In this bit. That makes sense. I feel like it's paid off in, in certain ways. It's paid off in Baxter's is what it's done. Yeah. Sometimes I make my Joanna Miles and my Baxter card do a little kiss. They go... That's cute. <laughs> ben, I think what we have to do, what we must do, what our mission must be henceforth with mm-hmm. respect to these cards is to continue opening the cards until they're gone. Okay. We should also get the even cards. Yeah, we got to get the evens. So we can fill out a set. That should be a thing. And also, we need to buy up all the Jaegers we can. <laughs> I am we ready to the artifi- market on Jaegers. <laughs> I'm ready to artificially inflate the market on Jaegers. Yeah. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to uh like create a Jaeger bubble is what yeah. I want to do. Oh yeah. I want to I want to blow it up in order to pop it. The growth in Jaeger prices is unsustainable. I've seen the big short. I know how this works. <laughs> I I've listened to an episode or two of Planet Money. I am going to buy every Jaeger I see on eBay from now on. <laughs> and I better get hopping before this publish this episode publishes. Otherwise, I'm going to be behind the curve by telegraphing that move. So, like an investor wouldn't want to say that he's going to buy up all the uh mm-hmm. all the all the coal yeah. or the 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 aluminum. That would be bad. That'd be bad business. Right. I need to hurry up and do that. Okay. I'm going to search eBay to see how many Biff Jaegers there are. Okay. And then we'll have a greater understanding of what my total... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) One, two, three, four. There are four signed Biff Jaegers on eBay right now, uh, ranging from $8.99 to $18.22. Wow. And none of them are in the United States. Really? Oh, we got to repatriate these Biff Jaeger cards. I think we have a plan. I am going to buy it now on all of these. Okay, Adam, I want to. I want to get in on this. Can I Venmo you half of the uh, half of the total? You may. Cool. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> I'm really pumped about this. This is good stuff. You know what? You sometimes you get an autographed anything, and it looks like the autograph is the same for every single item. You look right. at these Biff Jaegers, he clearly took some time to sign oh, these yeah. cards. I can I, mean, I could tell that these were authentic signed cards when I opened my Joanna Miles and it is clearly the handwriting of an old <laughs> of an old who has been sitting with a crippling uh hand cramp for the last three hours. Yeah. Oh, man. Who, who does not remember portraying this character. But she's an old lady. I mean, look at her. She's old. Well, uh, we have an episode coming up here, Ben, that features an old. Yeah. It's season four, episode three, Brothers. We open with a pretty harrowing scene of Riker serving as the kind of like dean of students um a uh 
a young boy is is escorted into the observation lounge and he's in big fucking trouble because he <laughs> uh he did a prank on his little brother involving laser guns and a ketchup packet and uh convinced his little bro- his little brother that he'd shot his big brother dead and um i guess a little little like a little more complicated than it needs to be, but the little brother ran off and then ate some fruit, and the fruit has parasites living in it. And so the kid is in in uh, quarantine on the ship, and they're, like, desperately racing to get to a starbase, which is apparently the uh, the minimum medical facility needed to deal with this parasite infection. Um Seems weird. I don't know what a starbase would have that the Met- Enterprise wouldn't, but uh, I guess I guess we just have to take their word for it. I thought after the whole uh, clip show episode that the Enterprise crew would be a little reticent to uh, have anything on board that would be considered a toxic parasite. Right? Yeah. Well, I think it That's... was it was on a planet. I think, or was it? Yeah, I mean that one was was on a planet, of course. But like, why would you want to keep that thing around? No, but wasn't this on on a planet also? No, I thought it was on the. Uh, I thought it was on board. I thought it was in the, it's in the uh, arboretum. Arboretum, yeah. Oh, I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> Two things I did notice about this: uh, one, the kids' parents are on sabbatical, so they're living as children alone on the Enterprise, much in the way. Wesley. Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. Did, which is a a crazy idea. (laughs) And two, uh, this kid's name is Jake. Were they on sabbatical during the Wolf 359 incident? (laughs) Because, Uh, oh, geez. Talk about some concerned parents. Yeah, who knows? Look, we love... We love vacationing on the hood. Uh, it's just a good uh, mid-priced hotel for us that we like to get away to. Yeah. They have a decent but not great continental breakfast on the hood. You know? Yeah. Like, this, there's definitely, like, the, the scrambled eggs are definitely reconstituted, but yeah, at least there are scrambled eggs, right? It's not just, like, microwavable oatmeal tubs. Not a galaxy-class... Uh, breakfast buffet, if you will. Right. One star. <laughs> Shitty parking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Riker just sort of like spins a conference room chair around, cool teacher style, and is like, look, look, kid, I'm going to rap at you a little bit, some knowledge. You can't be going around faking your own death in front of your younger brother. That's just not cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty intense. Like, he's definitely, like, playing the disciplinarian here. It's fun to see Riker and imagine Riker as a parent because yeah. so much of the poor parent, uh, parent ambivalence, uh, weirdness around kids angle is played at Picard's character that I often forget that Riker's batching it, too. Yeah. Uh, he just he just had, doesn't have a stated position on whether or not he likes or wants kids. So it's kind of fun seeing him have an interaction like this. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's it seems like he's able to do it without 
plunging into a crippling sense of strangeness the way Picard yeah. does. Yeah. They only have so much time to get to the Starbase, and they're like, well, good good news, we're really close to the Starbase. And they're not even, like, really pushing the engines. So Data's supposed to, like, escort the kid down to Six Bay to uh, to see his brother. And while they're in the elevator, Data starts, like, twitching his, his little head. And uh-huh. he, like, hops off the elevator, and the kid is just left there like, uh, WTF? And Data shows back up on the bridge, like, right at the same time as Riker and Troy. Back so soon, Mr. Data. And he sits down and starts, like, coding in uh, warp messages. And everybody's like, huh, weird. We're, like, changing course and going way faster. Captain, did you request a course correction? And Geordi's, like, radioing up. I didn't say we could increase speed to warp 9.1, sir. Don't do that. Who, who's doing that? Stop that. <laughs> they uh, They do not have the engineer's consent about this course correction or acceleration yeah wesley is like is is denying he knows anything we're set by who not by me commander and they start asking data data who programmed the new coordinates and data is just ignoring everyone and staring at the view screen and like twitching occasionally and eventually like the environmental controls blow out on the bridge evacuate bridge Deck one, life support failure in 30 seconds. They have to evacuate. And Data makes a show of, like, trying to get off the bridge with the rest of them and then does not. He returns to his seat and starts, like, locking out the controls. He mimics Picard's uh, command controls by mimicking Picard's voice to lock them out of the ship. So, like, the rest of the main bridge crew go down to engineering to run the ship from there and and like they cannot uh like data is one step ahead of them the entire time yeah as they're triaging the situation data has has stopped any possible plan of theirs from working they're like well we could run the ship from engineering that's no problem and then immediately that firewall comes down and they're like well uh, maybe we can separate the ship. Let's go ahead and do that. Then he, he locks out their ability to do that, which really disappoints Riker, I'm sure. Riker's like gargling uh, green tea, getting his saucer separation orders ready. And the code, like, this is, I think we've talked about this before. Data is the most terrifying thing that they have on board because at any moment, if it yeah. struck him, uh, he can impersonate anyone he could kill anyone with his bare hands. He's yeah. terrifying. It is Worf's job to be chief of security. <laughs> it Worf, is. Worf doesn't help at all in this situation. I mean, in his defense, it, it's it's fairly quickly that Picard decides to send him and Riker and a dustbuster club climbing through the Jeffries tubes to try and like retake the bridge manually. But, like, shouldn't Worf have built some shit into the Enterprise's computer systems to, like, do a, you know, a two-step verification that it has the right person reading in the command codes? Yeah. Yeah, this is where one-step verification gets you in trouble right here. Yeah. Yeah. What what should have happened is they all go down to engineering and Picard's cell phone buzzes and he's got a little pin code on the screen there. And he's like, what? 
No, I'm not trying to change my password. We know that data has an off button. Like, this might sound inhumane to me, but I think they got to rig that off button for security reasons. Like, get a little, uh, get put a little collar on him <laughs> or put something on the button that they can trigger remotely because this just doesn't make sense. This is uh, potentially one of the most valuable pieces of Starfleet materiel, and it is completely outside of their control. And it is, an un, at this point, an unknown force that has taken over data as well, who's also, you know, could be considered a valuable piece of Starfleet materiel. Hey, check it out. Also, not the first time that A, the Enterprise has been stolen, or B, a Data or Data Brother figure has done shit like this. Like, it's I guess, not like this should be a surprise. I guess what we're trying to say is Worf is terrible at his job. Sorry, Worf. One star. <laughs> so, um, Shitty security. <laughs> So, so you get war- some really cool scenes here where they're they're troubleshooting how to get back on the bridge, and yeah. and one of the scenes takes place in the Jeffries tubes, which I thought yeah. was really fun, especially because you get a lot of off-screen dialogue. Like, there's Riker down at the bottom of basically a well. Like, he's down at the bottom of a Jeffries tube. You don't see him. He's like yelling up at Jordy. Like, yeah, they're they're banging on stuff down there. They're like not wanting to get electrocuted. It's really fun. They did a lot with a little. Yeah, in these scenes, and uh, it's yeah, the like, set equivalent of like being a kid turning a a cardboard box into a spaceship. Like it's a very simple set that they use. Uh, they use in a pretty cool way. Absolutely. The other thing that happens during this is we have a kind of a quiet scene with the nine-year-old kid that is in in his uh, stasis chamber or his quarantine chamber or whatever, and the doctor is like reaching in through a force field, doing some doing some tests and waving some instruments over him. Uh, his big brother, who did the uh, hilarious prank, comes in and. The little boy like you know rolls away and doesn't want to talk to him um but this is some good stakes building that shows doesn't tell which uh i appreciated you know you know how some old names like classic names come back into fashion sometimes like like you know you'll have people having kids right now and they'll give them grandparent style names right Ruth. this little kid's name is willie which I think is is a hilarious comeback. Like in the twenty fourth century, Willie's cool again. Yeah, I can see it happening. Great name. Maybe he's named maybe he's named after Willie T. Kirk. <laughs> I never felt like this kid was in danger. He's got a mushroom cut. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> uh, y- yeah, I mean, you lay eyes on on any haircut on this show, and you're pretty much eh. <laughs> stakes ain't that high. They're hair telegraphing. Yeah. So then Data programs in this awesome cascading force field gambit. They've they've managed to turn off all of the uh, transporter beams, I guess, for sight to sight. So he's going to have to go to a transporter room. And yeah, so, so check it out before we get too far. Like, the Enterprise goes in orbit of a planet, and the only way that they know that they've done this is by looking out a window. Yeah. And so they, and so they posit that 
Data may be trying to leave the ship. So Picard's like, let's lock out these transporters. Let's make sure he doesn't go anywhere. But yeah. Data has other ideas. Yeah, so he, he sets up these he sets up these force fields to like engage and disengage as he walks through the halls. So they keep showing him like coming around a corner and a couple of Dustbuster boys running at him and then they like plow into a invisible force field. Aft port. Establish. And then he like steps through where that was and keeps going. And he eventually gets to the transporter room door and Worf is like right in front of it and he gets a force field to like inch Worf back until <laughs> until he's got enough space. I order you to stop. Computer, begin scan phase. No, no, that's too close. Um, and Worf seems to be pretty scared of this force field. Like he does not want to touch it. I think he just in general does not like being shocked by anything. Yeah. He's got that wharf lightning problem. He now clearly has uh, a problem with force fields. He doesn't like doors. I mean, add this to the list of things that uh, that that our favorite Klingon warrior does not agree with. Right. You got to feel for him anytime Data is not on his side. He's like, he feels trapped immediately. And this force field being there is... Once again, just reinforcing that. Yeah. So Data gets gets into the transporter room, and he comes around the corner, and, like, Riker and a couple more, and I guess, like, O'Brien and, like, a Dustbuster guy are standing there waiting for him. And uh, he just he just puts a force field up around the transporter itself and then undoes the, like, thing that was preventing site-to-site transport. And beams himself down into a jungle. Yep. So Data's thrashing around this jungle, and he comes upon a structure and goes inside and finds an old in there. Yeah. An old, hunched-over, Brent Spiner and cake makeup. Turns out it's his pappy. Dr. Noonien Soong, which is the guy who made him. Yeah, and Data's still kind of dazed, but there's a great motion control shot here where, you know, there's like a camera move in it, and Noonien Soong walks up to Data and, like, reaches up and, and like, pats him on the cheek, which uh, is another one of those things that you see in TV from time to time. I don't think anybody does in real life. Yeah. Um, no one effect cheek pats was pretty in good. real life. Yeah, the effect was pretty good, though, right? Like, they reach in, like, another hand from below screen and, and pat him. <laughs> like, you don't see the elbow. It's so great. Yeah, fun. You never want to show that elbow. No. Uh, like, Brent Spiner and the show is doing, like, they're doing clump work the, the entire time. And they're selling it great. Like, you can't see any of the lines, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's really it's pretty nicely... sophisticated clumping. I would like to volunteer to take this old bird out of her misery. Penis. Don't you dare say something like that about mom. Yeah, it's it's nicely done. I didn't notice any like dirty mats. Like there was a couple of times when the eye line wasn't perfect, but like so few that it was yeah. like yeah, it, these are whoever is running the special effects on this is a fucking pro. 
What kills the eyeline effect is another mistake that betrays it. And without a secondary mistake, like you totally forgive the eyeline thing. I'm totally with you. Totally. So, so soon has to like un, undazed data. And that involves sticking a sharp implement into data's mouth in a couple of places. He takes out a, uh, a prescription sunglasses toolkit and, uh, <laughs> And and turns his tiny screwdriver inside of his mouth. Yeah, it's the tiniest Phillips head he has. Yeah, you don't um, want to strip that bolt. No, yeah. Well, on the, on the newer models, they use a Torx yeah. uh, head, which is a lot uh, harder to strip yeah. than, a, than a Phillips head. The, uh, uh, and I prefer it, but... The Riker head always strips the mouth bolt. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. I liked it. I thought it was funny. And that sort of wakes him up. Like, he, he turns a couple of screws, and Data's back to being Data again, without yeah. any memory of how he got there. I fail to recall how I arrived here. Data comes comes back from this trance that he was in, and he is kind of perplexed. Like, it, it Data's real slow in this episode, I want to say. <laughs> like, yeah. he keeps... It really takes him a long time every time a new piece of information comes to light to, like, incorporate it into his worldview. And so the first yeah. thing that's a head fuck for him is that Nunyan Soong is alive in the first place. Um, you know, they've, they'd all understood Soong to have been killed by the crystalline entity. And the, you know, the fact that he's there, the fact that he doesn't remember anything all of this is uh all of this is tripping him up and you know he's he's uh he's confused like genuinely perplexed and uh suing is not like not exactly mr exposition in this scene so he's mostly just kind of crazying around and not not filling in any of the gaps for data and soon in sort of flipping the switch, the homing beacon on data, like completely ignores the idea that he might be doing something important or deadly right, or whatever. Like, what if he hit the switch two weeks earlier? Like, does yeah. he take the Enterprise away from the the interaction with the Borg? <laughs> like, Yeah, it would be called the Borg slash data incident. <laughs> Yeah, like so many old people not reading the room. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he's not really considering anyone else's uh, position on the matter right. when he hits the switch. So the homing beacon attracts data, so that works. But unfortunately, it also attracts lore. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not. Because there's, there's a lot of fun and games before that happens. So let's talk about what Soong looks like. It, this is Brent Spiner in makeup that is old man makeup that is only slightly more advanced than the terrible old makeup that they put uh, Dr. Pulaski in in, yeah. the, uh, in the olding up episode. Yeah, it's a tighter burlap sack. Yeah, it, I don't think it was intentional, but they got they didn't get far from Dustin Hoffman with this makeup. Oh, yeah. Like... He looks he looks weird and weird enough that I kept thinking like wait is that Brent Spiner? No it is. I know it's to be Brent Spiner, but it looks like it could be somebody else in just weird makeup, you know. 
They play and, with height in a way that really helps them too, because yeah. uh, Soong's posture is super crouched, and he's also uh, made to be a shorter man, and he's, he's shot that way too. And Data's erect posture, and he may or may not be standing on a box during their scenes together. Mm-hmm. Like, like the height disparity helps sell the effect. Yeah, and and Soong like he's like you know disabled data's communicator um and they're like he's like got data doing like a bunch of games like there's a scene that opens up on data like rubbing his belly and patting his head and and like whistling pop goes the weasel which is data's favorite song to whistle Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's like soon is uh soon's like really putting him through his paces he's like really impressed that data can do three things at once it's like taking a cray computer and like playing minesweeper on it just to like (laughs) test it it makes no sense at all (laughs) yeah Uh, that seems to be working okay oh nope uh i I clicked on one of the bombs shit yeah (laughs) yeah god what a waste meanwhile on the enterprise like things are not going well with nine-year-old willie who's uh you know glowering in his isolation chamber and uh there's like a, there's he's a little a, bit of a boy in a bubble isn't he yeah there's a scene in here where like the doctor is like trying to get willie to feel bad because jake feels bad she's like you know like he feels terrible too <laughs> it's like a it's sort of like victim blaming where he's like like uh <laughs> You know he's 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 suffering too. You know, like this is not not great for his reputation. God, I know. I I he's thought like, her position I, was really weird. I have a fucking life threatening parasite, lady. I am allowed to be upset about this. I'm about to go full clip show in like the next twenty minutes here. <laughs> oh, you never go full clip show. Yeah, that's how you know you're really sick. <laughs> uh. doctor how is he well i'd say he's about 20 minutes from full clip show you better go in and say your goodbyes (laughs) oh my god i didn't know it was that dire (laughs) (laughs) we're lining up some some tapes from some beloved episodes that you may have forgotten (laughs) there's one scene that like uh really stood out to me between data and soon which I thought was like really well well executed bit of trek, which is um data is like sitting in this crazy carved chinese looking antique chair and I'm sorry did you uh did you mean to say Chinese he has <laughs> <laughs> yes, the greatest chairs the the oldest chairs from the furthest flung parts of China. <laughs> Nunyan Soon could deal with the Chinese. He deals with them all the time. He rents them apartments. He makes them androids. Believe me, he knows how to deal with the Chinese. <laughs> His name is Soon. It sounds a little Chinese. Who knows? Oh man, yeah. But yeah, um, Data is uh, is sitting there and and just uh, tosses out the question. Why did you make me? And it's an interesting question, and it's an interesting... I mean, it's not the first time in science fiction that a 
sentient being has had the opportunity to ask this of their creator. Uh, but I thought this uh, this scene was really well written. Suing sort of engages him in a Socratic dialogue about the nature of being a creative and the way humans erect narratives for themselves that extend into the past and potentially into the future. And uh, I think he actually, like, you know, maybe for the first time in the show, like, Data asks a question and gets an answer that's in terms that he can fully wrap his head around. Hmm. Like, this doesn't lean on an emotional angle that Data can just sidestep, you know? Yeah. Uh, I really like this scene. I, th- I, I think it's a great a great bit of dialogue. And, and they're just kind of wrapping it up when the door opens and who should walk in, Adam? But pack-led lore. <laughs> pack-led action kit lore? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just in full dump mode. Yeah. He's, he's super dumpy. He's literally wearing an outfit that is made out of movers' blankets. <laughs> <laughs> The blankets you put inside an elevator of an apartment building? Yeah. Like, that's what he's wearing. Like, no joke, I'm sure that that is what the material is that they use to to make this costume. And he's, like, in total, like, spaced-out zombie mode when he first comes in the same way Data was. And so there's a scene where Soong is, like, you know, monkeying around in his mouth with the uh, glasses toolkit, and Data's like, please stop what you are doing this is dangerous. Lore is a bad person. <laughs> yeah. And Do I need to tell you about the time we connected his butt to the rest of his parts and turned <laughs> him on on our ship? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> so when he comes to, he, he tells them that he was floating out in space for a couple of years before a pack-led ship picks them up. Ben, how badly would you have wanted to see the bottle episode of Lore being brought on board the Packlid ship and just like their interactions? Whatever oh. brought him to this planet, I would have loved that so much. Oh my god, that's like a that should be like the the second comic book in the Pranica yeah. Harrison comic book uh, universe is yeah. like is like the the entire story arc taking Lore from getting beamed into space to landing on this on this planet lore is one of the smartest things in the galaxy could you imagine him spending any length of time with these pack lids (laughs) i I bet he murdered all of them how could he not well i mean either that or like i mean he's already like a known manipulator and and con artist that's sort of the the mo of the pack lids too but he's gonna run rings around them but I could see him, like, roping them into schemes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Getting them to do his bidding. Yeah. His dumb bidding. <laughs> bidding that they might understand. Mm-hmm. We look for biddings. Biddings to do for you. <laughs> Would you like some really dumpy clothes? <laughs> clothes that make you look like shit. Once they're all together, Sung's like, look, uh, it was a mistake. I mean, I didn't know Lore was alive, but it's sort of a happy coincidence. We're having a little family reunion right here. Uh, the whole reason I flipped the the 
the call button on data was because I, I came up with this phone emotion chip. Yeah. And I think it would be great to install it in you data while lore looks on non-threateningly. Right. And um, so Soong has completely rejected every warning and misgiving that data has out of hand. Like every everything that data has said about the crystalline entity and how lore collaborated with it. Totally. And not only data's warning, but like the 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 citizens of the previous planet were like, "This lore guy is a fucking nightmare." Like, right. this this guy's terrible. We hate him. He's no good. Turn him off. Make a different one. And that right. was the whole reason he even made data. Yeah. So I don't understand what what Doctor Soong's deal is with 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 not believing anyone's opinion about him. I guess it's like the vanity of parenthood, right? I like think that that's... You, th- a, you think your kid is is perfect. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the the point they're trying to make. And Data gets a little, like, a little bit short-circuited here because he realizes that a bunch of the things that Lore told him about him being an imperfect uh, second draft after Lore was too good and, you know, the colonists didn't like him for that reason... So Data is wrapping his mind around the fact that Lore told him a bunch of lies. <laughs> and he just keeps repeating that to himself. It was a lie. Another lie. I am not less perfect than Lore. I am not less perfect than Lore. Yeah, he's still not 100%, yeah. for sure. He's, Lore, Lore has bounced back from this fugue state much more quickly. But yeah, so they, the decision... Uh, to install data with this emotion chip is announced right in Lore's presence, which uh, kind of a dick move as a parent, right? Like, like yeah. we have decided that uh, that you get a cupcake, but not you, twin brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> dick move, yo. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to go over very well. And wouldn't you know it, it doesn't. Yeah. If there's one thing you know about Lore, it's that his primary move is to pull the old switcheroo, right? Yeah. He wants pa- to double make gum with Data. Yeah, he, he's going to take off uh, his pajamas and Data's pajamas and uh, switch them up. <laughs> so ar- around this time, the crew has, has gotten back onto the bridge. You know, they've restored life support and they've, you know, shoved a uh, crowbar through one of the doors and gotten it open. Worf looked, looking on uh, in awe of this process. Um, of this door technology. Yeah. And uh, so they get they get up there and Worf, uh, Worf keys into the computer and he starts trying to like make changes and the computer keeps, you know, buzzing at him saying he, he doesn't have the proper clearance. And so the 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 ship is basically like dead in the water. Like data has left them totally helpless to re uh, reactivate the ship. Like he left this like insanely long password uh, before, right before he left, which, which, you know, I was like, it's almost like a dead air gag on family guy. How long the password is. Sure. It's like he left the kid in a hot car and just left the car behind. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, yeah, this like goes exactly to what you you were saying about like how irresponsible this is of Soong is like, is like, is is it so important for Soong to put this little uh, little spare rank pip into Data's neck that he's willing 
for a nine-year-old boy to buy the farm because of it? Sure. Or <laughs> or or millions of other people that could have been put at risk. Like, yeah. Soong could have sent a subspace transmission like a normal person. Like, it would have gotten to him. Right. If, if Soong had said, hey, Data, come visit me on planet whatever, like, don't tell anybody, Data would have been like, oh, man, like, I would love to see Soong. I'll just, like, request a leave of absence and go on my vacation and then come back. Soong's behavior makes me question his craftsmanship, to be quite honest. Well, a lot of geniuses are kind of nuts at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's he is one in a long, long line of surpassingly brilliant male scientists who have retired to planets where they live alone and go totally nuts in this show. It's true. It's sort of a late motif, huh? It's a it's a big time uh it's a big time trope. Yeah. So yeah, he uh he he has data up in the stirrups. And, uh, <laughs> You're going to feel a little bit of pressure. <laughs> he gets Data's neck open. This is one of the best, like, opening Data ups I think I can remember. Because it's like a big chunk of his neck folds out, but they're like these right angles. I love the idea that there are imperceptible seams in Data's skin. You know? Yeah, I dig that. And by pushing on a certain spot, it opens up. Sort of like a... Yeah. Uh, like like a gas cap door on some cars. Like some of them have the little finger hold and others you just have to press down on to open up. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, a fancier car. Yeah. In that, in that respect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, you know, he like puts this thing and it like retracts into the neck and then he like flips the f- flap closed. And, uh, <laughs> and like soon doesn't realize it immediately, but the second, Data opens his eyes. It's very obvious that it's lore. And this just, like, goes to Brent Spiner's hilarious performance in this in this part. Like, he really makes them two completely different characters in a, a brilliant way. And lore, do, like, doesn't have to keep up the pretense that he's, he's like, a reformed and nice guy anymore. Because Data is off in the other room, and there's nobody to stop him just thrashing soon. So, and uh, Adam, I don't know if you noticed, there's a lot of glass tables in this in this space, but uh, we managed to find a way for an old man to go through one of them. <laughs> it's it's as transparently foreshadowing as like a a folding chair in the corner of a wrestling ring. Just <laughs> like we know it's going to get used. Like a like there's a there's a banquet table. Just at ringside, like the the Spanish announcer's table is what these glass tables have become on this show. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you watched the stunt, but it's pretty clear that it was like a big piece of plexi and not glass. Yeah. Because I think they make like the broken glass sound effect, but you just see this huge slab of unbroken glass go down underneath him. <laughs> They uh, they fully in the glass breaking keychain toy that everyone yeah. had when we were little. Uh huh. <laughs> Boy, that seemed like it was going to be a good prank, right? Did you feel like Spiner was more over the top as Lore in this episode than he was in the first Lore episode? Yeah, I think he is a little bit more florid in his depiction. To me, he's would... real Nick Cagey from Face Off. 
Like, <laughs> like he is totally turned up. And I'm totally not Castor sure if that helps. It. Yeah, he's totally Castor Troying it, for sure. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I liked it. I did too. I. It just made me wonder, like, uh, did he have to go that broad for stupid viewer? You know, like, you got to be able to tell them apart somehow. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean, and the like dumpy clothes aren't he, doing it. There's some different stuff he does with his lips and eyes that I think sell it. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's fun for it. he's he's a very like he's a very baroque villain lore. Yeah, and it's almost like a it's almost operatic the kind of the kind of disagreement that Data and Lore have. So I don't mind it. Yeah, and it speaks to the Caster Troy vibes too, because Caster Troy was the same way in Face Off. <laughs> Unnecessarily uh, dramatic and demonstrative. Yeah. My love is a peepa longing still for that which longer nurses the disease. So Lore slips away and the Enterprise crew has like figured out a way to trick the transporter into letting them beam down and they get down there and they find Noonien Soong like crumpled up in a heap on the floor where where he got tossed through the, the table. And um it's it's really weird like like they haven't even seen his face, and and Jordy's like, "This is Nunyan Soong, <laughs> a guy that Data didn't even recognize initially." Yeah, well, Data doesn't have any memory of him, but you would yeah. think that he'd like looked at a picture or something, right? Yeah, you'd think that'd be important. <laughs> you'd think that Troy would have shown him the Ancestry dot com entry. <laughs> yeah, it's just a line between two things, Doctor Nunyan Soong and Data. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, come on, how could you miss it? That's the only other thing on the page. <laughs> I can't believe I paid $50 for this. Um, yeah, so, uh, so so Data Data gets brought out by Worf. He's like, he's like turned off still, and Riker flips the switch on his back, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. And um, Soong tells him how to, like, override the the memory block and I guess like what he says in data's presence is like enough for Riker to realize that none of this was data's fault. Still like crazy that they continue to trust data implicitly after this. Yeah. Um, But that's not the first time that's happened. As, as data grapples with the death of his creator, they play the one song, the one song that, this this show plays when you really got to have some feels, and that is the dolphin polishing song. <laughs> Did you notice that? I didn't, but that's great. <laughs> Real synthy. Then it is all right for you to die. I sort of expected in this scene where you know it's like Soong's final words to Data, like they're saying like we got to get you out of here. You're all beat up, and he's like I'm gonna die here, and. Uh, and he, like Data asks asks everybody else to clear out so that he can have like last words with his father, and uh, I really expected Soon to like disappear and the blanket he was under to like slowly crumple like when Yoda dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like it was played played for exactly that tone. Yeah, it was. But as it was, uh, he just dies like a typical TV old man, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I don't think that they actually show his eyes like curling up in the back of his head or anything, but uh, he um, he definitely like is not long for this world when they leave. Data and- grieves him by by uh, staring skyward and doing a super creepy laugh to warn <laughs> to warn robot god that uh, a robot creator's coming. <laughs> yeah, probably that. Yeah. Yeah, and then the little button on the episode is that they've gotten the kid to the starbase just in the nick of time, and he's responding well to treatment, and Data has given him a couple of the toy dinosaurs that Noon Soong had around his his house, and uh, he and his brother are, like, back on good terms and playing, and Data's like, whoa, he, like, forgave his brother. Can you believe it? And I think it's Beverly that says, like, yeah, Data, brothers forgive each other. Which is so asinine because Data's brother tried to murder them many, many times. (laughs) And this kid faked his own death and was forgiven for that. So not quite equivalent, Beverly. False equivalence. It's one of the big problems these days. (laughs) True enough. Ben, did you like this episode? I did. Uh, I thought that if if all of the rest of the episode was terrible, that scene with Data talking to Suing about why he was created uh, was great, and I feel like gives you gives anybody a lot to think about. And uh, I don't know, it's fun to see Spiner Spiner around a lot. And um, there were a lot of cool elements. How about yourself? Yeah, I think this episode is emblematic of like the second half of Star Trek The Next Generation as a series. Like mm-hmm. lots of complex sets, uh, yeah. a lot of stories having to do with character development, especially where Data is concerned and his yeah. and his character's growth. Um. I think I like the episode as it was. Nothing about uh, Willie and his brother rang as sincere or important or like it feels like that storyline was only written so Beverly could put her button on the episode. Like, okay, so we know the very last line of the episode is going to be brothers forgive. How do we write our way to that line of dialogue? And it feels like that's how they did it. It was that week. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I thought... It was an episode that I liked with a lot of problems. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say that the biggest problem by far is the fact that that in that button, Data is just back on the ship and all is forgiven. Like, there is no time given to the idea that Data is... uh, Like, if Data's mind can be taken over by one person, what reason do they have to believe that it can't be taken over by somebody else? Oh, wait, that's already happened before. It is crazy to keep Data around at this point. It's bonkers. It's so bonkers that Picard's hometown mayor wants to throw him a parade. (laughs) (laughs) That's how detached they are from the reality of their situation. Yeah, that is a real mayor of Labar type situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's fucked up is they don't even mention it. It's not like this is... A bottle episode after another bottle episode where data does this shit or the other episode with the biners where the ship gets stolen like the ship gets stolen many times this series data goes off many times and they do nothing to address the problem it's maddening 
Mm-hmm. And what's so maddening about it is like this could turn into story. You right. could do this something with it. It's, it's not like it's just a dead end where like, well, we can't write our way out of this one, so let's just ignore it. It's just fucking lazy. Yeah, I totally agree. On a show that depends so much on exposition and character building, like, there you go. We could have had an entire episode about, you know, like there's a great tension in the episodes where uh, where Maddox was brought in to decide whose property data is and and, right. and in what ways to study him for for the federation like this could be another chapter in that story like data we love you but you're dangerous it's it's also runs parallel to the old man storytelling that they do with Sarek and yeah. and to a lesser degree captain picard himself like data's great and we love him and we care about him but he can't drive the car anymore like <laughs> Why don't we have an episode like that? And we just don't. Yeah. That was a that was a real tirade, Ben. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? You find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did. Man, I'm having a tough time deciding between two drunk Shimodas. Do you want to uh, help me break the tie? Sure. You can, sort of like breaking a cookie in half. Uh, I had a hard time finding a Shimoda at all, so maybe if you take the half that you want more, I will I will make the other half my Shimoda. Okay, so, so my two are as follows. One, uh, number one is Worf, um, because of a facial expression he makes when he gets back up on the bridge and tries to invoke clearance to like take back over the computer and it tells him he doesn't have alpha 2 clearance <laughs> like that's a warrior's in, clearance Ben yeah Michael Dorn's performance is so funny because it's clear that he made a decision that Worf it's been a chip on short Worf's shoulder <laughs> that he doesn't have this clearance <laughs> I love that like he is fucking pissed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so my and so that's my first Shimoda. My second Shimoda is Nunyan Sung, and it is an actual drunk Shimoda. If you go to the forty minutes and twenty two seconds mark in the episode, you can see this when they find him like slumped in the corner after uh, after Laura like kicked his ass and and bounced. You see him like slumped under the bookcase and. In the foreground, there is a giant cocktail shaker. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got that uh, that Spencer's gifts size cocktail shaker. <laughs> yeah, the one where you can make like four cosmopolitan. I've got at one once. of those. That guy really knows how to party. <laughs> yeah, I just I love the idea of Nunyan Soong living alone on Dagobah, and and being like, I want to make a cocktail, but I don't just want one cocktail. <laughs> I don't want one, because then I'm just going to have to keep making them over and over again. <laughs> and look at me, I'm old. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to have to shake it four times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a great call. He knows how to party. Yeah. Good pick. So, uh, do you ha- do you want to pick one and, and I'll take the other? Uh, I have to say, because I own one of those cocktail shakers, I might prefer the shaker Shimoda. Okay. It's yours. Thanks, buddy. What do we have coming up on the next episode? 
The next episode is season four, episode four, Suddenly Human or Slickback Trilogy Part Two. Yes. Picard risks war when he refuses to return a human boy to the alien father who raised him and may have abused him. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Uh, it's, it's really hard for Picard to let go of the boys that come into his life, isn't it? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I totally, I remember this guy uh, having real Jake vibes to me, like almost indistinguishable oh. from Jake. If I remember this not guy Jake correctly. from not Jake from the episode we just talked about, but Jake that Jake the shuttlecraft. Jake of Jaking a shuttlecraft fame. Yes. <laughs> Jake of Grand Theft Previa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I I recall very little other than that. Would you care to invoke a veto or I am going to do what I mentioned in the last episode, which is if I don't remember an episode, I'm I'm, I'm not going to veto it as a rule, I think. I feel like it's sacrilege to veto a, a Slick Back Trilogy episode. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, we can't do that. That would, be, that would be horrible. We would be monsters if we did How that. How are people going to get the second story in this trilogy? It's impossible. It's like not yeah. watching the second Jurassic Park movie and then going to the third Jurassic Park thinking you're going to know anything about anything. It's impossible. Yeah. Give me a break. You're just lost. <laughs> yeah. You're in the lost world, I'll tell you that much. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants to know... Walter, what's the point, man? Yeah, no vetoes for me. What about you? No vetoes for me. All right, let's watch it. Adam, before we go on today's episode... Uh, I'm just going to float this. I don't think we're quite ready to announce anything specific, but if you live in the western coast of the United States, there is a strong likelihood that we may be coming to a city near you to do a live episode or two of our show. This will be our first ever tour, uh, so... Keep uh, keep your ears peeled and your eyes peeled uh, on our Twitters and Facebooks and everything because uh, we just had like a big meeting and we're getting excited about the idea of maybe doing a tour and uh, I want people to actually come. So while we don't have anything specific to announce yet, um, you know, I'm looking at Seattle, Portland, San Francisco type of places. Yeah. Uh, consider yourselves warned. In in the way that we typically do things, we like to announce our intentions months and months in advance. Except in this <laughs> case, I think I think we're looking at like November ish, like, right? Yeah. Mid November. Yeah, Mid November is probably is probably when this would happen if and when it does. So if you're fortunate to have uh, a workplace situation where you can take some time off, just take off all of November right now and then yeah. we'll get back to you with some specifics when we have them. <laughs> Yeah, call it a sabbatical. Rent that RV, call off Riker the month. Riker will take care of your kids. Follow us around on tour. It'll be great. We should point people in the direction of MaximumFun.org slash donate. That's where hundreds of our viewers go and financially support the show with their own money. Thank you for everybody that uh, that goes and uh, supports the show. Uh, we hugely appreciate it, and you get to feel like you're helping make this happen every time you hear an episode. That's right. There's a couple other ways that you can support the show, too. If you like what we say enough to put it on your body, 
there is a great t-shirt that's for sale right now. It's the West Hot American Summer t-shirt. It's available yeah. for purchase on the Max Fun Store, which is at maxfunstore.com. That makes that's easy to remember. Even an idiot yeah. could remember that. It's kind of combination <laughs> idiot would put on his luggage. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we also make any sense. We appreciate any sort of signal boost you can give us as far as uh, telling friends, coworkers, family writing members. about us in a major national publication. Throwing us a review on the iTunes. Yeah. Or where have you? We're like uh, in in striking distance of 800 as of this recording. That's pretty cool. Pretty great. We should thank Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusia for our other music. Uh, thank you both for all of the jamming tunes people hear on this show. And thanks to all of our listeners for viewing. Uh, it's been fun recording an episode here with you this week, Adam. Thanks, Ben. It's been fun for me, too. With that, we will be back at you next week. See, with sincerity a... doesn't play on this show. It just no, doesn't. yeah, we should never have tried it. <laughs> uh, another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a slick back episode of The Greatest Generation. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.